Hey guys, good morning. There's uh, something I got to talk to you about today, and it's and it's hard because it's actually coming from a place of just kind of sheer and complete hypocrisy. On my part, we've been looking this month of August, starting last week, at these things we call hills to die on. Here's what they are. Things that are so core to Jesus, so, so important to him, so centered to who he is, that we've simultaneously tried to make core to who we are as a church, that we say we would rather close our doors as a church than do away with this value, attribute, characteristic. You kind of with me? It's a hill to die on. It's the idea that some things are worth dying for. Some things are worth fighting for. Some things are worth defending, and if you have a hill, stay on it at all costs. But today is a hill that I am not on. And I'll let you judge as we go through today if you think you are on that hill either. Here it is. It's the second hill to die on. Holy, devoted to God. Now here's how we give verbiage to it at FOF. We'll say this, we believe we exist for the glory of God. People in churches are driven by all sorts of things, and we've seen this, haven't we? Money, prestige, traditions, fads, fear, and the path of least resistance. It's amazing how many churches are not driven by a devotion to God, but stuff like this. And we believe that each of us can so easily fall into these patterns. Recognizing this, we continually strive to honor God first and let the rest follow. Now, I would be completely okay with this if it wasn't for the last sentence right there. If we could just kind of like scratch that out, I'd be all right. But you get that last sentence on the board, and, it, and it's, it's like that adverb. Yeah, I, I, I can't say that that adverb's me. I don't really even think that verb is me. How about you? What does it mean to come face-to-face with this, this hill to die on, wholly devoted to God that was so core to the heart of Jesus that we say we want to be at the core to the heart of our church? And the way I want to unpack this today is, is tell you a story. It's about two brothers, and they come out of the Bible, Jacob and Esau. Now, they're twins, and if you're unfamiliar with their, their story, I encourage you, on your own sometime, pick up a Bible, open up to the first book. It's called Genesis. Kind of dive in around Genesis chapter 24, give or take, and you'll start to get the story of these two brothers. Now, here's why they're important. Kind of intertwined into the story of Jacob and Esau is God's rescue operation for how he wants to go about doing nothing short of saving the world. Jacob and Esau are the son of Isaac, and Isaac is the son of Abraham. And it's through this family tree that you see unfolding in the Bible how God is going to go about and rescue his world. And for Jacob and Esau, the question isn't so much of how, but through whom. Now, Jacob and Esau are twins, Esau is born first by like, I swear, like, like a minute 
or something like that. But here's why it's significant, because that means that Esau is given the promise. He is given the birthright. Esau is the one entitled to, th- to, to be the one through whom God is going to just set his blessings loose. Now, let me tell you about their story and what happens. Both of them grow up. Esau grows up to be like this, this, this warrior, this hunter, like a man's man. Uh, my favorite verse in the Bible, all right? Um, I, it, there's a verse. It says this, Esau was a hairy man, all right? I really suggest it as a life verse for you. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, Esau was a hairy man. You got it? I mean, he's a hairy man. I mean, Esau was tough. He was rugged. This is a guy that God can do things through. And then there's Jacob. Jacob is described as the kind of guy who likes to stay at home and cook with his mom. He's a mama's boy. And these two grow up. Now, let me kind of key you into the story of what happens. Jacob is out hunting. Esau is out hunting. Because that's what hairy men do, right? He's out hunting. And he comes back and he's famished. And Jacob is making some stew. Because that's what guys like Jacob do, right? Here's how it plays out. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew... Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. This is why he was called Edom. We'll get back to that. Jacob replied, First, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So Esau swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil soup. He ate and drank and then got up and left And I just love how the narrator of this story captions it. So Esau despised his birthright. All right, two things off the bat. Number one, let's just get this out of the way. Jacob, total prig, isn't he? I mean, seriously? But Esau... I mean, here, here's this guy who, who took arguably the most important thing. And he threw it away. He took this thing that was so important, so valuable, so meaningful. And he treated it so frivolously, held it so lightly, approached it so casually that he traded it for a bowl of soup. You know, it didn't even register with him what he did. Well, look how the story plays out later. Have you ever had things in your own life 
that were so meaningful, so important, and so special, and yet you treated them so frivolously, glibly, held them so lightly, that you effectively traded them for the equivalence of a bowl of stew? I mean, Esau even gets nicknamed Edom. You know what Edom means? Red. Imagine that following you around. Everywhere you go, hey, Red, there's Red. Hey, Red. That's the guy who threw it away for Red Stew. You ever come to terms after the fact with something you had that was so special, so meaningful, so important, and you let it go. You threw it away, and it hangs around your neck like a nickname that you just can't shake. Welcome to Esau. And it didn't even register yet what he did. Because sometimes in life you don't see the consequences right away. Later on, the story goes on that Esau is out hunting again. And their father Isaac is old. And he's about to die. And the time has come for him to hand on the family blessing. Jacob and his mom get together and they start kind of conniving. They start plotting how to do it. And so what they do is, is, is Jacob seizes the moment, he goes out, he slaughters a goat, he takes the meat, and he starts to cook his famous, well, red lentil stew. He takes the goat's skin, and he realizes, Dad's blind, Dad's not going to be able to recognize me. And he starts like actually taking the goat hair and like gluing it to himself so that if Dad should reach his hand out and touch him, he'll think it's Esau. Now, I've heard of hairy men in my day, but when you can feel goat hair and you think that's your son, can we just say, get the nair, all right? I mean, oh my gosh. But that's what Jacob does. He tapes this goat skin. He glues it all over himself. He goes in. He pretends to be Esau. And Isaac gives him the birthright. Isaac gives him the blessing. And as soon as Jacob gets it, he gets out of there. He bugs out because he got what he wants. Now, where the story goes next is that Esau comes in from the field. He comes in because he knows his dad is dying. He comes in to give him this one final special gift to cook that which he hunted out in the field. And this is what happens. He comes in the tent. He greets his dad. He asks for the birthright. And reality for Isaac starts to set in. The story goes on. It says Isaac trembled violently. He started coming, started to realize Started to realize he was tricked. Isaac starts to tremble violently, this old man, with his final breaths. And he said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came in, and I, I gave it to him. I blessed him. It's his. He will indeed be blessed. 
And when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, me too, my father. But Isaac said, Your brother came and he, he already took it. There's nothing left to give. And Esau does what I think all of us do in those kinds of times. But wait a minute, you got to have more. You, haven't you reserved a blessing for me? Do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, father. And Esau wept aloud. Have you ever come face to face with what you have held so lightly, with what you have treated so frivolously, and what you have let go of? Only to realize later what you've done? I read those words of Esau crying out with a loud and bitter cry. Do you know what that feels like? Of weeping aloud, trying to cling and drag back that which you've let go of. Have you ever wept like that? And his father Isaac answered, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the heaven above Esau. What's done is done. There's no more blessing to give. I think there's a life lesson in this. Oftentimes, we do not see the result of the choices we make until much later in the game. And the choices we make, they always, always have consequences. Later, biblical writers will pick up on this. They'll pick up on this, and what they'll do is seek to take this, this, this story of Jacob and Esau and apply it to the grace of God and our approach and devotion to him. Here's what one says. It says, see to it that no one, none of you, is godless like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Can I be straight? Is there no more horrifying passage in the Bible than that last sentence? to realize you've been given something so special, so good, so meaningful, and you throw it away. You let it go. And when you come to the realization later, no matter what kind of bitter cry, no matter how much you wail, coming to terms with what's done is done. That there is no change of mind no matter how many 
tears you shed. Because our actions and our choices in life have consequences. And whether we realize them now or realizing them later on, there's consequences. And on some of them, there is no turning back, no do-over, no reset button that can go back to the what could have been, to what you have let go. And I read the story of Jacob and Esau, and I think about these other stories and characters in the Bible. And I read it, and you know what I realize? I am Esau. That guy, that's me. There are all sorts of people in the Bible that we could try to identify with, but I'll tell you what, Esau, I get that guy. That's me. How about you. What areas of your life have you made choices? Have you taken roads? Have you given away that which is good and meaningful for the equivalent of a cup of soup? If you've been there, you're not alone. Welcome to life as Esau. Amisah, how about you? I was curious, actually, in thinking about this. Thinking about Jacob and Esau and these hills and the early church. We've been looking at this passage. I want to show it to you again. All right, it comes from Acts chapter 2. Here's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions in goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You look at this thing that they had, this thing that was important, meaningful, and God gives it to us. And I think about the early church and how they experienced that. And, you know, I realize it kind of comes down to one simple phrase. They devoted themselves to it. But I think of the ways that I hold it lightly, that I treat it frivolously, that I trade God's dream for what could be for my own cup of stew. Let me say it again. I am Esau. How about you? I, I, I was curious on this. We were looking at something. 
and uh, did a query search on Fellowship of Faith. And let me tell you the parameters of what it was. We took our membership. We have 217 members here at Fellowship of Faith. Now, that's for people who are 18 and over, okay? 217 members here that are 18 and over. And for the purpose of the search, we took out staff and our elders and board of directors. And here was the parameters of the search. How many of our members, not visitors, not people checking us out, not people that have just uh, kind of gone, hmm, there's something here I like, but haven't taken that step. No, people who have said, I will devote myself to this way into this body. We did a query search. How many? Came to worship. 40 or more times, including midweek, like Christmas Eve and all that kind of stuff. And the last year, in the last 365 days, so back from August of 15. How many came since then? And how many of those people have been to a group or a Bible study or a Saturday morning seminar just one time? And how many of those people have served just once, just one time at something? How many of those people have given a thousand bucks or more over a calendar year. So if you practice tithing, that means you made 10K a year. How many? 217 members, how many? Here's the number. 18. There are a lot of words that we can use to describe fellowship of faith. Devoted is not one of them. And these are just an everyday, ordinary, spiritual discipline kind of things. Put that aside. Let's talk about the more important things. Let's talk about the call of God in your life. Those daily choices of obedience to Him, devotion to Him, or devotion to any number of other things. Let's talk about the big places in your life when you stand at the crossroads and you know that following him will cost you or lead you into the unknown. But let's talk about the thousands of smaller things as well. The little choices and the little calls that it comes so easily, you take it for granted, you hold it lightly. And so you treat it frivolously and you trade it away. For a cup of stew, what areas of obedience in your life, can I ask, are you still making excuses for? What opportunities is God bringing in your life that you are throwing away? What choices are you making day by day that are heaping up consequences that there will be no turning back from, no matter how much you come to seek it with weeping and tears. Because there's consequences for what we do in this world. And there are some things that we let go of that will never return. 
no matter how much we cry out like Esau. And I think about that. And I think about who I am in that story. And it leads me to simply just say, Dear God, thank you, Jesus, for coming for an Esau like me. Because in this world, I can find only one who is truly devoted. And it's Jesus. And the joke of it is, the irony, the twist, is that he had the birthright. He had the blessing. He had it all. He did the hard work. And it was all his. And he threw it away. He threw it away. For Esau's like you and for me. Because the thing with the story of Esau is that though he lost his birthright, he did not lose his soul. If you read the story of Genesis, it's fascinating that Esau comes to a place much later after a time of hatred and bitterness and, and contempt, he comes to a place of peace with his brother Jacob. And it would seem that what the story writer is indicating to a place of peace with God as well. Because Esau may have thrown away his birthright and there was no getting it back. But God saved his soul and set him on a new path as well. There was no going back for Esau to what could have been. But there was a new start for Esau into what something, what God was going to do now in him. And that brings me hope. It brings me hope that God would do that for Esau. That God would do that for me. It brings me hope that no matter how many blessings and opportunities and things of significance that I have thrown away, God isn't done with me yet. And he isn't done with you either. So Esau, if you're out there, listen to me. Don't throw it away. It isn't worth the bowl of soup. Follow him no matter what it costs you, no matter what it'll take. But Esau, if you're out there, listen to me. If you've already thrown it away, 
Know that God loves and restores and forgives a person like you. So guys, let's pray. Just take a moment maybe on your own with God. And if, and if I'm speaking to you and you're Jacob here today, just go, and God thinks that I'm so awesome. But if you're Esau today, then tell him. Tell him. And open yourself to the new chapter that he has for you. Lord God, hear the prayers of those who have thrown it all away. Lord, when we find ourselves identifying with Esau, forgive us. When we find ourselves faced with the choices of Esau, may we cling fast. Cling fast to that which is important. When we find ourselves at the crossroads of the unknown, may we trust you and seek you with all your heart that you would guide the way. Do not give up on us, God, we pray. Use us. Use us as your own. Amen. Guys, I want to invite you to rise. Acts 2, we did this last week. We're going to do it again today in the weeks to come. We've turned it into a prayer. It probably doesn't fit any better than it does today. If you can do this with any degree of sincerity, then I invite you to pray it with me today. Lord, devote us to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Fill us with awe at the wonders and miraculous signs done by the apostles. Bring us together in common. May we sell our possessions and goods to help those in need. We will continue to meet, breaking bread in our homes and eating together with glad and sincere hearts. Receive our praise, O God. May we enjoy the favor of all the people. Add to our number daily those who are being saved. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. He broke it. He gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body. It's given for you. Come, do this in remembrance of me. And he took a cup after supper and he gave thanks to God and 
he gave it to them and he said, drink of this, all of you. This is my blood. And I shed it for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. So come and do this. Remember me. Esau, welcome to the table of the Lord.